My name is Cherie Gale, and I am a part of the Greater Baltimore Church. And really, it's my honor, my privilege to stand before you today and to share some of my um, convictions, my Bible study. And so I hope that that's okay. We feel good about some Bible study today? Okay, all right, great. Um, So since, you know, we're an intimate group, what I'm going to ask, just just to help me out, is can we just fill in the front seats? Is that going to... Is, is will that hurt us? Okay, all right. If we can just like fill in the first four rows, that would be great. And I'll give you one, uh, like a minute to do that. I'm seeing a lot of recognizable faces in here. People that I've studied the Bible with, had deep conversations with, <laughs> live talks. And so it's really, really just a blessing to my soul to be able to stand before you today. About four weeks ago, uh, the singles, we were in Phoenix, Arizona for the Inspire Conference. And it was one of the most incredible, the most moving, just one of the best conferences that I've ever been to. And I've been around for over 20 years. And so... um, One of the opportunities that I got while there was to talk about inspired womanhood and what it means biblically to be a woman. And in talking about that, we identified just some issues or problems we face or have as women. A huge one being we don't know our story. We're not familiar with our origin or the story that we have of our origin is a bit skewed. We looked at it from a wholesale or macro perspective, so a big perspective or big picture. And we looked at the fact that though we've made so many technological advances, emotionally and mentally, we keep regressing, right? So as technology progresses, we find that emotionally we're not keeping up with the progress or mentally. We looked at Genesis and we looked at Genesis 1 and 2, both creation narratives, both written differently from different perspectives and how we can sometimes tend to favor one over the other, particularly the Genesis 2 narrative of God being in the dirt, creating man, and then woman. And we looked at the fact that it was not good for man to be alone. And I posed the thought, what if it wasn't good for man to be alone because in Genesis 1, God said that both men and women bore his image. And what if when God looked and saw the man alone, 
he thought, he's not enough to bear my image. I need someone else. And so God created you, the woman. And we complete creation, and we make it very good. Very good. We talked about that. But we didn't get into Genesis 3, right? Which is where things sort of go downhill. Are we familiar with Genesis 3 and what happens and a tree and a fruit and a snake and... Yeah? yeah? Okay, good. Oh, you guys are... You're coming together. All right. So, so we did not look in-depthly at that. And today, I want us to, to look at Genesis 3. I want us to talk about this idea of being cursed. Because a lot of times as single women, we can feel cursed. We can feel like this stage of life is a curse. Right? The loneliness we feel, man, it's part of this curse that we bear. And in talking about that, uh, two weeks ago, I approached some of our sisters in Baltimore about this little project that I wanted us to undertake. And I got their permission to talk about it, so don't worry. I'm not putting anyone's business out without talking to them. But I don't know if you've heard of the Whisper app. So the Whisper app, basically, it's this app where you can form communities, and there's allegedly, um, great anonymity. So you join a group and no one knows who you are and you just post your thoughts. And so we formed a little Baltimore group um, and I posed this question to the group. The question I posed was, what are some of your persistent nagging thoughts that you find yourself holding on to? And I wanna share some of the responses. And again, these are anonymous. And before I go into them, I'll tell you that they fall sort of into three categories. The first being relational, so a lot of relational thoughts. The second was internal, thoughts about your, yourself or themselves. And the third was divine or God thoughts. And so here's some persistent relational thoughts themes that came forward. Someone wrote, sometimes I try to be interesting so people won't leave me. And then someone else responded, that's too much work. <laughs> Those are my sisters. <laughs> Another person wrote, I don't have worth or credit unless a man validates me in serving, speaking, teaching, etc. No one would miss me if I were gone. If people don't like me, then something's wrong with me. I would be married by now if something wasn't wrong with me. These are some of the relational thoughts. Internal thoughts. And the women are sharing this freely. I'm not attractive. I'm not skinny, I'm not pretty, I'm not smart, I'm not cool, I'm weird, 
I don't fit in, I've messed up, it's my fault, and I'm gonna die alone. And then lastly, some thoughts about God. I'm scared that God's plan won't satisfy me. God has forgotten me, and God's grace doesn't really extend to me. These are the thoughts that are persistent, kind of always there, just playing in the minds of women. This sounds like a curse. We're cursed relationally, cursed internally, and cursed with God. In all these aspects of our lives, it just feels like things, something is off, something is not right. And as I read what my women were posting, I cried. I cried because I recognized every single thing that was being said. <laughs> because they're my thoughts. They're like the boyfriend you try to break up with and you just won't leave, right? Just, or the friend you're just like, I just feel like we've grown distant, but you always call. Why are you calling me? Leave me alone, right? Like a constant companion, these thoughts just hang around and refuse to let us be. The title for the lesson this morning is, <coughs> Now is the Time for God's Favor and Salvation. And my hope is that today, us as women, we can finally break ties with these satanic and demonic thoughts. So my first point is this. Now is the time for God's favor. Let's look in Genesis chapter 3. Come on. You guys with me? Yeah. Kind of quiet. Are you thinking? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Genesis chapter 3. And I'll read it. Starting in verse 1, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate. 
She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man said to, said to his wife, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree I commanded you not to eat from? <laughs> the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living things. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. I mentioned earlier that our lives as single women can feel like a curse. And when we see the word cursed here, it's used twice. But what does it really mean? So let's begin. There are two words in the Old Testament that define or are used when the word curse appears. We only get one in English. The first word is kalal. And that word means to make something small or to insult, right? The second word is arar. And that means coming from God, 
binding a person or thing, thus preventing them from living a life of freedom and abundance, ultimately labeling them or it for destruction. In Genesis 12, verse 3, when God talks to Abram, who later becomes Abraham, God tells him, those who kalal you or insult you, I will adar them. I will bind them for destruction. The form of the word that we see in Genesis 3 is the adar. It is the divine binding that renders someone powerless and ultimately labels them for destruction. The word makes 63 appearances in the Old Testament. The most notable ones are God binding Cain in relation to the ground. He is accursed. Noah binds his son Canaan and Canaan's offspring to servitude for his act of lewdness. We mentioned Abraham before. Balak asks Balaam to curse the Israelites as they were making their way out of Egypt. And God does not allow him to do it. All he could do is Barak, which means bless. And finally, we see curses being expressly linked to sin in the giving of Torah or the law. But what we do not see in Genesis 3 is that God curses humanity. If you look at that passage, who gets cursed? Or what is cursed? It is not the man and it is not the woman. The serpent or the Satan and the ground or the world is bound by God and labeled for destruction because of a decision <coughs> made by the man and the woman. God saves Adam and Eve and the punishment that was due them, he puts it on this world and on Satan. This world will be destroyed. Yeah. Satan will be destroyed. This world is cursed. Satan is cursed. You are not. Amen. If <coughs> you look to God. But if you look and walk towards fulfilling the desires of this world, and have Satan as your companion, guess what? You're cursed. You too are cursed. So let's be real. Look at your life and think about your thoughts. Think about your, your thought life. Who is your companion really? What are the thoughts that play over and over in your head? 
Are they thoughts that move you in a direction towards God? Do you recognize godly thoughts and what those are? Or are, there, are they thoughts that ultimately get you closer and closer to destruction? You know, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29, Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. And those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Do you understand the curse? Do you understand that it was never God's intention, even in our wickedness, to curse us? That God has always had a plan that favored us. We always had a way out. That is the God that we sit in here today and serve. We are not cursed if we look to God. We are not cursed. The voice of Satan is one that brings shame and condemnation. Everything from that whisper app. That is not the voice of God. And really the only way we can learn the voice of God is by committing our lives to pouring over scripture forever until the day we can hear him speak. That is the only way we are going to learn the voice of God. If not, Satan is going to come in and he's going to try to sound like God and you will end up being bound to him for destruction. You know, for millennia, women have lived with this language of curse, right? And we've turned to things that are accursed. But God being merciful didn't just expect us to get it, to read scripture and know, I'm trying to redeem you. God sends us the best blessing of all. He sends us Jesus. Jesus can now be our constant companion. Jesus can be our rescuer. Jesus can be the voice that we choose to listen to. And now we're going to move into our second point, and I want to introduce our next speaker. I'd like to introduce Heather Robinson. Heather was born in Queens, New York. She was baptized at 18 in 2002 in the campus ministry at SUNY Albany. She was a part of the singles ministry since 2004 in New York, the DR, and then here in Hampton Roads for five years. 
married in 2016 after 14 years as a single woman. She led the young professionals with her, she, she leads the young professionals with her husband here. And in May, or I'm sorry, she led. In May, they moved to Cincinnati, Ohio to serve and lead the young professionals ministry there. And for our next point, I give you Heather. Good morning, ladies. Um, it is a pleasure to be here, to be back in Hampton Roads. Um, this was home for five years for me, and I miss it dearly. I love you guys. I see faces that I miss uh, very much. But um, Cincinnati has been great to us. They've been welcoming. We've loved it, and it's been awesome to be there. Um, it's a privilege to share this morning with you my heart, to share things that I'm wrestling to still believe myself, and I hope that some of what I share will inspire and encourage you to be able to see the blessings that we have in Christ. Amen. Um, it's hard when we ask, why is it that we continue to think like we're under a curse? Why do these thoughts come? Why do we fight with all this negative thinking? Let's turn to Ephesians 1 and see what does the Bible actually say we really have. We'll read in Ephesians 1 and we'll start in verse 3. says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth, under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. I read that and I think, man, Jesus has really accomplished everything for us. It's such a hard passage for me to read. I don't understand it. I don't understand all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Satan wants nothing more than to keep us from seeing this from living this. This is what he fights for every day to convince us that we're not blessed, that we're not chosen, that we don't have all of the things that we need in Christ. But when I stop to think, what are we really after as women? What do we really want? A few things came to mind. I think one, we want to be special, yes. right? But this scripture tells us that we are chosen. Yeah. To God, we are special. We want to know that we matter. 
It says that he thought about, he planned about for us. He predestined us to be with him. We want to belong to someone. It says that he put his seal on you. You are his now and forever. You belong to him. We want to know that we have value. We have purpose. It says that we're chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight. We want to be lovely. God's pleasure was to adopt you. It wasn't out of duty. It wasn't because it was the right thing to do. He was pleased to call you his daughter. We want to be protected and rescued. He says he's redeemed you. He's forgiven you. In Christ, we have all of this, and we have it now. Not just in the future when he comes back, but right now today, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. But I read this, and I think, man, why is it so hard to feel that? Why doesn't it connect? What I know up here doesn't connect to what I feel in my heart. And I think Satan is doing the same thing that he's been doing from the beginning. He whispers in our ears. He's been lying to women since the beginning of time. Speaking untruths about ourselves, speaking untruths about God. Think about it. Eve had everything. She was perfect. <laughs> she was the first woman. There was no reason for her to feel insecure. There was no one to compare herself to. She was perfect. You know? But somehow Satan still convinced her that she didn't have what she needed. That she needed something else. That God wasn't really giving her the good that she needed. And he's still whispering to us today. What has he been whispering to you? I think for me, he whispers to me not in the big obvious moments. Most of us here, we, we want to live a godly life. We want to please God. Yeah, it's in those quiet moments where he whispers. And I'll share about one of my quiet moments. <laughs> it was in a very unlikely place in my bathroom. That's where I do a lot of thinking. <laughs> for good or bad, that's where I think. Um, and so I remember one day, had the shower curtain, and I've had it for a long time. It's got scriptures on it. Never really paid much attention. But one day I'm sitting there, and my eyes caught the scripture on the bottom. And it was Proverbs 13, 12. And that scripture says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And at that time, just to give you perspective, I was just about to turn 30, and I don't know if you guys wrestled with this, but... At 30, if you're not married, you, you, something's wrong. That's kind of the thought process that I had. And so I was starting to panic. God, have you forgotten me? Um, and I looked at that scripture and I thought, that's it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. My hope is being deferred. My heart is sick. And I started to get indignant <laughs> with God. And I, God... Do you want my heart to be sick? <laughs> Why are you deferring my hope? <laughs> you know? And I just, I ruminated on that. I just really felt like this is God's fault. He's holding out on me. He knows that this is what I need and he won't give it to me. <laughs> really dark place that I was in. Um, I felt left behind. I had three friends that got married the same year, October, November, December. We were a group of four. So in, in some sense, I was left behind, <laughs> but um, I did feel that. I felt like, you know, I don't matter, and something was wrong with me. But think about what that means. What am I saying when I say that to God? Um, it, it's scary, because I am telling God, you're not good. 
you don't really care about me. And I had some moments where I said that very thing to God. You don't really care about my feelings. I had to journal, I prayed, I cried. God, I want to believe the scriptures, but I can't. Right now, I'm, this is, I hear you. I hear you telling me that you care for me, but I don't feel it. Help me. I didn't realize that I was attacking God's character by my thoughts. Um, I was only focused on what I, what I was feeling at the time. Felt rejected and forgotten. But God, the God who gave his one and only son for me, does he not care about me? Has he forgotten me? Would he hold out something that I need if he was willing to give me his everything? Yeah. No. But in my heart, that's what I felt. I think maybe for you, it's not marriage. Not everybody has this desire for marriage. But what is it? Are there other circumstances and things that you allow to define you? For some, maybe it's status or position at work, getting to that next level in your career. Maybe it's status in the church, getting that position that you want, or having the clout that you think you need in the church. Maybe it's that I must achieve X by the time I'm X mentality. You fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. Um, some of us have real struggles that can make this battle even harder. Mental health challenges, physical health challenges. I think I'm starting to understand the mental health challenge even more. I was recently diagnosed with depression myself. And fighting negative thoughts is harder and harder and harder. Those are real challenges, and they may feel true, but the things that we think, when they're not in line with who God is, we have to recognize it is not truth. It is Satan lying to us. Maybe for you, it's what other people think of you. Is that where your, your value comes from? Is it your looks? <laughs> you know, uh, I think about... What God intended and the hope that he set out for us was not the hope for all of those things. It wasn't the hope for a husband. It's not the hope for the career, the hope for the best body. That's not the hope that Jesus called us to. It really was the hope of having eternal life with him, having a relationship with him. And we have that. We have the best thing that anyone could ever have. I encourage you to, to search your own hearts and pray. Ask God to search you. For me, I had to spend several days, maybe weeks, wrestling in prayer during that time because it didn't feel real to me. It didn't. I had to read the scriptures over and over again and beg God to help them be truth to me. The more I prayed, the more I focused on the second part of that scripture where it says a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I started to think about that. I said, man, what am I longing for? My longing is for God. I will be fulfilled. And I realized God was showing me my hope and my longing are in the wrong things. As long as I continue to hope in things from this world, things that Cherie has eloquently expressed to us, that these things are destined for destruction. As long as that's where my hope is, I will have a a sick heart. (laughs) I could never be fulfilled by those things. And it doesn't stop with that one thing, there's always something else. I've been married for two years and God gave me the thing that I thought I needed. I still wrestle with these thoughts. (laughs) In fact, marriage has done nothing more than expose my insecurities even more. 
Because now I have this person who's here and, and do you love me? Do you love me the way I want to be loved? And there's all these thoughts that just continue to nag in my mind. The battle has not changed. It is the same. But the way that we fight is also the same. When I was single, what did I have to do? Cry out to God. Fight. Talk to my sisters. Pray. Wrestle with the scriptures. I still have to do the same thing. (laughs) For me, a few scriptures, you can write these down. These are some of my favorites, and I hold on to them now and forever psalm 62 the whole thing but specifically verse 1 and verse 8 my soul finds rest in god alone and then in verse 8 it says my salvation and my honor depend on god i remember reading that scripture and i thought man i've been thinking that my honor depends on what some man thinks of me it doesn't my honor depends on god and thank god that this is who he is We have honor because he's so good to us. He loves us so much. Um, Psalm 84, 11 and 34, 10. I believe God had to put it in two places just to make sure we got it. And he tells us that he withholds no good thing from those who love him. And that's where I was stuck. You might be there too. God, why won't you give me this whatever, this thing? He withholds no good thing from those who love him. You have everything you need already. I think now is the day of salvation. It's a day of our salvation, but even more than that, it's a day of salvation for the woman around us. Yes. We have the truth. We have Jesus. We have all these spiritual blessings. But there are so many women out there wrestling with the same stuff we're wrestling with, and they don't have Jesus. And I think, man, we've got to get this. We've got to understand what we have in Christ. When I say we, I mean me too, because I wrestle with this. I really do wrestle with feeling blessed and feeling um, special with God, complete in him. But when we get it, we have to share it. We have to go and save the other women that are out there. Last night, I believe this happened for a reason. Last night, well, maybe this morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm hearing yelling and screaming in the um, hotel room next door. I don't know. It, It sounded like it could be getting to a point of abuse, and I felt like, do I need to call the cops? What do I do? The woman is crying. I could hear her crying. I could hear her yelling. And I thought, wow, I have all these negative thoughts about myself and my life. I don't have that. I don't have to deal with that. She doesn't have Jesus. She needs him. And it made me think about all the other women that I passed throughout the day and throughout the week who need to hear this as well. Let's read um, the rest of this chapter here, um, because I do believe when we see Paul's prayer, we see direction for our own lives. How do we stop ourselves from this negative cycle of thinking and move towards expressing the blessings that we really have? So we'll go to verse 15. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And I love that prayer because it's almost like he's, he's reminding the church that who they are and what they have. And then he knows he needs to pray yeah. because Satan is going to try to steal that. He needs to pray that they can understand the riches that they have that their hearts may be enlightened. And so that's my prayer for us as well today. I pray that we can know God better, that we can know his character and really know how good he is. Mm -hmm. So when Satan comes whispering, you can say, uh-uh, that's not my God. Yeah. I know my God, he's good. He says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Yeah. Our hearts need to be enlightened. There's dark spots and dark places that we still hold on to. But we need to pray for God to enlighten our hearts so that we can see the riches that we have. And lastly, he says that God is the one who fills everything in every way. Everything in every way. That means that there's no longing, there's no desire, there's no empty spot, there's no hurt. There's no spot in you that God cannot fill. There's no spot that he does not fill for you or for me. And that also means that there's no thing or person on this earth that can fulfill those longings that we have. I've been reading a book called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. I would recommend it. It is a really good book. But it talks about this idea that we don't need anything other than Jesus. And when we have Jesus, we truly do have everything. And so, ladies, I want to encourage you to embrace the blessings that you have in Christ and share them with the woman in your life. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. That was excellent. Very convicting. You know, sisters, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here so you can move on to your next um, class. But please, let's make sure that we're living lives that are blessed because that's what we're promised in Christ. Turn away from Satan, and when you turn away from Satan, all you do is turn to God. Turn to God. Make a decision to do that today, and make a decision to help other women and men. Do that as well. Amen. Amen.